Before we get going with this episode of the On The Touchline podcast, Dukig Brand is offering listeners of this show 10% off your next order. Want to know what all the hype is about? Go to dugtigbrand.com and upon checkout, use the promo code BROADWATER19. Details are in the show notes. This is the On The Touchline podcast. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater. Welcome to the show. You either win or you learn. That is a quote Coach Jay Hammond subscribes to in how he approaches the game of soccer. Hammond is a coach at Birmingham United Soccer Association in Birmingham, Alabama. A previous guest of this podcast, Nick Holt, is a mutual coaching colleague of Jay and I's and helped connect us in a roundabout sort of way. So Nick, if you're listening to this, shout out for getting me on to Jay's work. Like many coaches I interview, I got connected to Jay via social media. And because of Nick, I have been able to witness Jay's work. So something that Jay believes is success means creating a legacy. Jay has been influenced by what is known as the Messiah Method. And if you're not familiar with this book, Messiah College here in Pennsylvania has been one of the most successful college programs in the country. And during a 10-year period, their men's and women's program combined to win 472 times, lose only 31 times, and draw 20 times. And I believe that was from the year 2000 to 2010. They've had unbelievable success since 2010. So what exactly is the Messiah Method? So Jay doesn't go into detail about that in this episode, but mentions it as a influencing force. So I wanted to share just a little bit about what that is, if you're not familiar. So item number one, pursue a higher purpose than winning. Be intentional about everything. Recruit the quote-unquote both-and players. Cultivate team chemistry. Link training to the match. Choreograph match day. And play to a standard. And I've included that in the show notes that if you want to go back and apply that to your own coaching or with your own players. So give that a look. So Jay talks about how he has used this to shape goal setting and action plans with his players. Hammond also talks about grit and determination. Is it something a player is born with, or do players learn how to have grit and determination based on their experiences? I hope you enjoy episode 28 of the On the Touchline podcast with my guest, Jay Hammond. (laughs) 
think it's important. Uh, I always like to ask coaches uh, a little bit about your your backstory and and your journey as to how you got into coaching. So, uh, what was uh, what made you become a coach? And tell me a little bit about your backstory as to how you've gotten to uh, where you are in your coaching career. Yeah, um, coaching was never really something in like the future that I thought was going to be there. Obviously, from playing and through club here in Birmingham, and we had a developmental academy in here, Birmingham United, um, and then playing through high school, and then going on to college, and then not finishing out playing in college and transferring back home to UAB to finish out school. Um, just playing as like a practice player in a sense, it was like I needed something else to do, especially after graduating. Um, my little brother at the time was still at the high school that I graduated at, Oak Mountain. And they just hired a new coach um, named Dan DeMasters, and they'd be looking for an assistant. So I just went in for an interview, and he was like, well, the job's yours if you want it. So it was honestly something, something to do. And it was never really something that I thought was going to be like a future plan for me because I didn't really have like right now as far as like your, the why of why you coach, right? Uh, it was just something to get into. So I wasn't sitting at home not doing much of anything. And then kind of getting into that and coaching the JV and assisting the varsity boys team at Oak Mountain, um, it, it became more of my identity of actually who I was, what I was supposed to be doing in that sense and um, making a difference in kids' lives. So you have a different walk of different people who you, you'll run into and in, in as far as on the youth side, as far as from high school to club to whatever it may be. Um, and that's when I got fully um, kind of swept into the, the club world in a sense and working for a smaller club, but the first club I worked at, um, and I just 100% enjoyed it and I loved it and it's something that I just ran with and, um, and that's kind of how it ended. I mean, how I am right now, to be honest, it was just something that I just kind of got swept up into and I just said, yeah, I'm going to run with it. And here I am now, seven years later. Wow. Uh, what would you describe your demeanor like as a coach? Uh, what are you like, uh, at training or during a match? Um, I would definitely say when I was younger, I was a lot more emotional within the game. I was like, I feel like I was watching the ball every single time, whatever mistake would happen, or the referee would make a call. I was like more so like the emotional type younger coach in that sense. Um, I think now I'm 100% matured in training. Uh, depends what kind of training day it is. If it's a, a high intensity type day, I'll, I'm a high energy person, so I'll bring some energy into the training session to keep the energy level high and keeping the kids laughing in that sense. I'm kind of laid back and kind of goofy. Some of my kids will probably explain to me as corny. Um, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, man, and that, and then as far as the game, it just depends on as far as the uh, the type of game that it is, and and how and how we're playing, and how we train that week and going into the match where we're uh, prepared for. I definitely can relate that. Uh, I I feel the same that uh, you know early on in my coaching career was definitely more emotional. Um, you know, I I still celebrate a goal here and there, but not right. nearly uh, as emotional as I used to be, and. Um, you know, I, I tell people all the time that I tend to pace <laughs> yeah. on the, on the touchline quite a bit. Um, I definitely get my 10,000 steps in for the day for sure. Uh, when I do that. So, um, what was your, your youth soccer experience like, and what were some of the coaches that you had, uh, good or bad and, uh, describe that to the audience. Um, I actually enjoyed the youth coaches I had growing up to be fair. Um, I mean, I had some really, really good coaches, and some of the coaches that I, I um, have been coached by are either now coaching in college or running big major clubs in the country. Um, so I, I was blessed to say in that sense that having the coaches I had early on as far as I played in like a, a private school youth kind of co-ed league, which was kind of fun. Um, 
and it's kind of weird. A lot of those kids out of that end up going and playing for up the clubs here in Birmingham, went going off to play in college in a sense. And so the coaches we were had here in Birmingham were, well, were kind of a blessing to have in a sense. And some of them that are still here um, that I run into that still coach me. And I actually coach against one of my favorite coaches um, that I had growing up in, in the league that I coach in now. So it's kind of fun. Very cool. Um, so take me through, uh, you mentioned earlier about, you know, that influence that you have on younger people. And I can say for me as a coach, that that's why I do this, right? To try and make it better for the next crop of players, the next crop of young people, um, you know, to give them, to give them hope, to give them belief in themselves, to give them, uh, you know, just a, a person, a, a champion, I, I guess is how I would describe mm -hmm. it. And someone in their corner that really wants to believe in them, um, you know, good days, bad days, whatever. And what is that like for you as a coach um, in trying to, uh, you know, inspire young players to, to be the best version of themselves? Yeah, man, I think um, with a lot of different kids, I think a lot of kids have different um, aspirations in that sense. So I think a lot of kids are more people pleasers and they want to please the coach and everything that they do, they're going to run through a brick wall for you. And I think there's certain kids that have aspirations to, to be the best player on the field. And they always want to know how to be the best player in that sense. And I think it's a little bit of a difference in how you have certain kids personalities and how you can inspire them in different ways. Um, something that I, like I realized early on in coaching that you can't coach the same kids all the same because different kids need different um, as far as attention or just different ways of how you coach them in a the sense there's some players you can get on to and kind of crack down on them. Um, there's other kids you kind of have to um, massage a bit and how you give them back criticism and also building them back up. So as far as an inspiring them, um, it's just giving them uh, almost like a, a reach where they can achieve something and make it a reality in a sense. A lot of times that a lot of kids make a lot of dreams, a lot of adults make a lot of dreams, but it's not like really an action plan to make it a reality. So I'm trying to inspire them is trying to make some of the dreams they have and making a reality. And it's one of the things that I do with all the teams that I coach. Beginning of the season, I make them write down three goals, and they give them to me. I told them to keep them, and I told them to tape it somewhere they're going to see every single day um, in those sense, and it's something they can achieve. And it's obviously as a team sport, you want to achieve the team goal, but at the same token, you want the kids to get better in something they want to get better in. I think that's our jobs as coaches, that we get the kids in, whether their skill level is, where I have led are when they get there, and it's our job to coach them up and of what they're asking us to do. Um, well, I, I was going to say a good uh, segue into, I guess, my next question of how do you define success as a coach? And uh, I certainly any of us can look at our win-loss record, right? All right. And, um, you know, and that becomes more important is uh, the older the age groups that we coach or different levels that we coach at or whatever. But how do you as a coach define success? Um, I definitely um, define it as when I first got my first coaching job at Oak Mountain with Dan DeMasters, is still one of my really close friends. Um, and he very seldom used the word win. Um, it kind of came from a guy named Dave Brandt, who used to run Messiah up north in, uh, in PA and then was at Navy before he went to the Riverhounds. Um, but he kind of explained it as like the Messiah method, in a sense, um, was, you know, wins and losses is fine. But in a sense, success is meaning you're creating some type of legacy, in a sense. And sometimes when people realize in winning, you can ask kids who won the state championship or who won the national championship three years ago, and they can't tell you, right? But if someone sustained this amount of success over time because um, they've done all the right things that they needed to do as far as the small detail things. And um, it's not all about winning. I think when I tell girls all the time, 
the guys with coaching, I think the word perfect means if you're able to look your teammates in the eye and tell them you gave everything you had and within the time you had, even if it's not a win, um, the quote is really true. And it, when it comes to it, you either win or you learn. Um, let's, say, let's say you, you lose. If you don't learn a lesson within the winning or the losses, it's kind of hard to, to build and grow from where you're going. Mm-hmm. So uh, something I had asked yesterday on Twitter, um, it's, I've been thinking about it a lot, and it's come up in different aspects of my life, not only in coaching, but my professional life is, is well outside of soccer. And um, it is the, the idea of grit when it comes to a player, right? So, so it, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I definitely have uh, as a coach at, at the club level. Um, and it's basically something to the effect of, uh, you know, if, if I tell a player or a parent that they need to improve on X, and whatever X is, first touch, uh, you know, receiving the the ball, uh, their ball, uh, the ball across their body, um, whatever, whatever aspect of their game they need to work on, they don't necessarily like what I have to say. They then go and look for another club, another coach that's going to basically say, "No, you know, Jay, you're you're, you're a perfect player. We want you here at our club. There's nothing wrong with your game. You know, you're you've peaked already. Come join us." And um, I've experienced this at different times in my career. And it's so the, the question I had asked folks was, is grit something that, you know, can be taught to a, a player or is it something that you and I have that we're sort of wired that way? You know, from the day that we're born, we sort of are, you know, throughout the course of our life going to eventually encounter difficult circumstances, but have the tools to navigate through them. And I'll, I'll tell you my answer, um, but I'm curious if you've experienced any sort of similar situation or maybe what your take on on grit and sort of determination uh, would be from either your playing experiences or, or coaching experiences. Yeah, um, I'll go back for the, the playing experiences. Um, I was never like the best player in any of the teams that I played on. Uh, I, was, I was a pretty athletic kid and did certain things really well and certain things I struggled at in that sense. So one of the things that I knew I had to to do was to work harder than everyone else, um, whether it was, it was fitness or it was trying to win a 50-50 ball or win a ball in the air. I was, in that sense, I was the I was going to try to be the one that would win everything in that sense and try to do everything as possibly great as possible within the the effort part, right, um, and and the gritty part. And I think a lot of that I think is how we're brought up in a sense, and um, and how you have that blue collar mentality. And as far as in coaching experience, I think we I see it every single day. Um, I think a lot of us coaches do. Um, and, and you have certain kids that you have that when it doesn't matter the situation of the game, it doesn't matter if they had a long day at school or just a hard day and they come to practice, they're going to be that kid that's going to work their butt off for you every single day. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think sometimes it could be the way they grew up. Um, and as far as how they were instilled in certain things to work hard and have that hard working mentality and certain kids will maybe given everything. Um, and I, th- I think that happens within life. And I think sometimes it, it can be bestowed in some kids because I think um, you have certain people that lead by nature and necessarily not by communication, by vocals, that it may inspire another one of their teammates who maybe didn't have that type of mentality to have it now because they've seen how much it's given them success, that they want that same type of success so it can feed off of them. So I think it's kind of a uh, a fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I would agree. I think uh, I think some players just they have it and they're they're born that way just to be 
tough and hardworking and want to give their best effort, uh, you know, even on their worst days. Uh, but also, I, I think it can be taught. And I think someone had said something to me recently that, um, you know, creating this environment where players can fail, but knowing mm -hmm. that failure is not a punishment, failure is encouraged, Fail failure is almost a part of the culture uh, that the team or the club has. And so rewind that conversation slightly of, you know, I wonder if it would be different if, um, you know, uh, whether it be with that parent that I was talking to or a player or something like that, if, you know, that understanding was in their mind of, you know what? Yeah. Failure is a part of this process. Right. And, you know, uh, it, it's hard to predict a, a U8, a U10, a U12 player sort of where they're going to be long term. You can have a, a decent idea, I think, you know, based on sort of their technical abilities and maybe their tactical understanding of the game. But, um, you know, they they haven't reached the top of the mountain, I guess is what I'm saying. And, um, you know, from from my end, continuing to educate parents and players that this is truly a process, right? That soccer is very different than maybe other sports out there. And um, I agree with you. I, I love what you said about just showing up and being a hard worker every single day. Cause I was that type of player and uh, you know, love that sort of very workmanlike, you know, uh, approach. So um, how do you create the desirable culture that you want within your team, within your club, uh, whoever you're coaching in, you know, that particular season? Um, I think we have a source of a club that I coach at now at Birmingham United. Um, we have the ability to kind of pull in a different draw of kids from the different, uh, demographics from the state of Alabama through Mississippi and kind of the panhandle, things of that nature. So we're able to get a lot of variety of kids in. So it's, they're all not from the same, uh, demographic area, if that makes sense. So you're getting a lot of different areas of kids that you're going to, you're going to come across. Um, kids that have that tight workman's like mentality um, and how we build our teams in that nature. And so for myself and how I kind of bring that environment out of training, um, I'll find the two to three kids that everyone gravitates to. And if I can get them to buy in in that mentality, then the majority of that group, I think, buys into it. And that's how I've had success over the time in doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, what does that look like? Or is that conversations is that meetings is that you know different activities uh you know yeah so um i think it's meetings and different activities and for myself and the teams that i have i create a leadership council mm. um that i'll i'll pick and obviously the if we have captains on the team they'll be within it and they'll take three to four other kids and they'll be kind of the spokesman for the team in a sense not saying anyone else that's not in it's anyone lesser in that sense but the ones that are there have a little more influence on the group because um, they may be the more social butterflies or the ones that lead by nature and there's certain different things that we may need. Um, and I'll kind of break it up into uh, positional things. Certain people will hang out or be around others and more. And so to give me different ideas of where to do with that and where to put other players, I give a lot of the kids that I coach a lot of freedom in that sense of what do they think um, and what do they think that's going on? What do you think can be different and saying that they think that Jan may be better here because whatever whatever reasoning in that sense and because their team you know we're obviously there to coach them but they also see things that we don't sometimes and I think that was one thing as a young coach growing up I didn't understand that kids will have a lot of say so that you can't see and it's something you, you'll both can learn from each other. I love the uh, 
the listening part of, uh, of what you said there, Jay, because I think um, if you're empowering your players to have a voice on the team or, uh, you know, the, the leadership council sort of take an active role in, you know, how the players are, are feeling or thinking, and then, you know, as coaches listening to what they're saying, I mean, it's, it's like any type of relationship, right? I mean, whether that be a marriage or whether that be a coaching relationship or a friendship or something like that, that there's sort of this, there's always this give and take, right? That, um, and I remember some of the coaches I had, uh, you know, as a youth coach, that it was very much one-way communication, right? <laughs> that, yeah. that they're going to tell us what to do, we're going to do it, and if we don't like it, well, basically we can go fly a kite. And, yeah. uh, you know, it. I just think we've evolved a lot as coaches, and it, it tells me a lot about, you know, your approach and sort of, um, you know, sort of the, the modern day coach, modern day soccer coach in terms of, you know, that ability to listen, because I think it's a skill that um, is often difficult to get right and often difficult to perfect because I, I think our players actually give us a lot of our answers. And part of it is just paying attention to what they're saying. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, not being, um, you know, sort of so headstrong sometimes that we're the only ones who are right. And, uh, the players can actually give us a, a lot of good feedback and, you know, uh, intel, I guess you could say. Um, so uh, make a, a little bit of a pivot here. Uh, coaching can be tough, right? Coaching can be stressful. Coaching can be, there can be peaks, there can be valleys, there can be, you know, really great times. I'm sure you've experienced this. I know I've experienced this. Um, how do you take care of yourself outside of soccer? And what do you do to make sure that, you know, you're, you're not burning out to make sure that, you know, your energy for the game is still high and your passion for the game is still high, but always continuing to want to get better and improve. Yeah. Um, I went through kind of like a, a period, I'd say about a year and a half to two years ago where I kind of got burned out in a sense. It was just a lot going on and I was just soccer, 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 you know, and when I came home, I'd be watching on TV or I'd be working on certain things and training sessions and, it got to a point where I needed to have kind of like, obviously soccer is something that we do and something that we love, um, but not necessarily of like exactly everything of who we are, right? There's different things outside of it. Um, and I had to have some type of a categories of life that I had to put it in. So um, given free time for me to go to the gym every day and kind of just uh, digress. And I wake up every morning, I take the first hour to just, drink some coffee and maybe watch like first take or something of that nature on ESPN or something, you know, things there. Um, just making time outside of work to actually have that type of life to keep you, um, keep you inspired to do those things. And I was, I, I love what I do in, in, I think coaching in the game, the kids that we have and the kids that we coach. Um, and I still spend a lot of time within the game in itself, but I also have some time that I spend for myself to be with my family as well. Um, that kind of gives me an idea of why, again, why I do it in a sense. And um, we moved to Birmingham and um, I'm moving around Birmingham, being in the places that I've grown up to where I end up kind of where home was in a sense. Um, you kind of see where you've come from in that sense, what kind of keeps on inspiring you to keep pushing forward and keep on helping the others that they're, they're, they're feeding for that need it. I don't know about you, but I like saving money, and I have a special offer for listeners of the On the Touchline podcast as a Duke Tig brand FC member, and I'd like to pass that savings on to you. 
If you're not familiar with Duke Tig Brand and what they do, they were started by two professional women soccer players who felt that something was missing when it came to planning sessions, organizing your coaching philosophy, and figuring out your own personal style, either as a player or as a coach. These things should not be stressful, and they should be enjoyable, and they should also involve high-quality products. One of the goals of Duke Tig Brand is to provide the soccer community with those products. I can proudly say that I have used Duke Tig Brand for over a year now, and I absolutely love the product. I currently use the Duke Tig Brand Trainer 2.0 Plus to plan my sessions, to take notes, to do some introspection after matches and after training sessions. I absolutely swear by it, and I want you to experience the all the good things that Duke Tig Brand has to offer. So if you go to duketigbrand.com and place your order upon checkout, enter the promo code BROADWATER19, B-R-O-A-D-W-A-T-E-R-1-9 at checkout. That will save you 10% on your next order. I've included instructions in the show notes. Go back, give a look, and I hope you can experience the savings today. All right, now let's get back to our episode. Where do you see uh, things going for you as a coach? Um, positive. I know. I mean, the here recently, um, good things have happened assist for our club as we just uh, expanded into a new area um, in another city um, that I'm going to be heading up. That um, our directors, Andrew Brower and Ben Parks, kind of headed me that way. So very, very grateful for them as the mentors they've been for me and helping me grow in my coaching career. Um, and right now, it's just, it's just growing from there. Um, our club is. Um, an East TNL club. Um, so we, we have, you know, players coming from any ranges of that level to going all the way down to our academy. So I, I've been very fortunate for them that they've allowed me to be in every kind of fixture within the club that I work in the academy and, and I've worked into our competitive um, atmosphere and, and doing the junior academies. So we have our seven and eights program mm-hmm. and working within the East, you know, um, this will be my second year coming up this summer to coach our WPSL team as well. And so having, that atmosphere as well as coaching. Um, and I just got back into high school coaching. Actually, I'm coaching a little small one, a Christian school um, here this, this spring. So it's, it's all, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of things going on, but um, I'm, I'm enjoying it though. So I think so far as me coaching, uh, I think it's, I think it's going up um, and I'm just excited to what the future is holding for us. And, and for me, and I just can't wait. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. And I, I love what you said about, um, you know, working in all aspects of the game. Uh, I've told fellow coaches that I, I mean, I don't know if you could put a value on how important that is. Um, just because there, there is a life cycle that happens with players, right? From the youngest players of keeping them inspired and engaged with the game. And then how does that, you know, evolve when they get to U10, U12, U14, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, it, it's neat to have a, a, a hand on the pulse of all these different areas, I think. And uh, yeah. I think that's really cool. For sure. I mean, I think it, it goes back to that as well. I was talking about what we just speaking about just earlier, um, about the hard times you go through in coaching. You have to find sometimes to get rejuvenated. Um, and one thing that I'll say that, and I don't think they realized when they did it that it was going to do, but going and working within the academy and working with the, 
you know, the nines, you know, eights and tens and elevens, man, that was, I mean, every single year I've asked to keep working in the academy, whether it's on like a temporary base or whatever, that to me rejuvenated me as a coach and made me have fun again. You know, yeah. I think a lot of times we, we get involved with um, being successful and trying to win and, and, and you know, having the perfect sessions and having the perfect game plan. So we get to a point where we, we, we forget how fun the game is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's funny, like this, you know, this is just this Premier League season um, when Klopp was in a game and one of his players looked at him and he started laughing and, he, and Klopp just told him, man, this is fun. And they were losing 2-1 in the game. You know what I mean? But it was mm-hmm. it, even at that highest level, in that sense, the game's still fun. I think a lot of times we, we forget that and a lot of times how fun the game can be. Yeah, I agree with you about the academy level, and I agree with you about the the fun aspect of the game because uh, you know I, I've told folks before, Jay, that um, you know we're we're playing the best game in the world. I mean, yeah. if you don't walk out, you know, if you walk out onto the pitch every day or the training space every day, and just can't take a moment and you know just just kind of drink it all in and appreciate it, and I'm even on my worst days. I love going to training, uh, you know, on the days that I'm getting beat up in my job and, uh, you know, life is crazy and all these different things happening or whatever that I love going to training. And I, it's for me, I don't know if it's stress relief. I don't know if it's, you know, just being around a group of kids that are enthusiastic and excited to be there. Um, but yeah, I, I want to pass that love on to those kids because, you know, I, I say this often that soccer doesn't have to end when they stop playing. They can still right. stay connected to the game. And yeah. I was actually just talking with somebody before our conversation about um, <laughs> they're they're trying to get me to play in an adult league and over thirty league. And um, you know, I'm like, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I, 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 maybe. Um, and I'm like, well, do, you know, do you need a goalkeeper? And they're like, well, we actually do. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, we know how, how I'll feel the morning after. I'm sure that uh, <laughs> I might be regretting that decision. So, right. um, so uh, I, I guess, uh, I don't know, a, a question that I like to ask coaches. Uh, so boys or girls, um, do, you, do, you have, <laughs> do you have a preference? And uh, if so, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Um, you know, it's actually, I've been asked this question um, pretty often here recently. Um, I've coached girls longer. And since when I first got into coaching, it was just coaching boys. Um, I'm coaching high school and the first getting in the club. Uh, and then I guess for some odd reason, it kind of just shifted into the girl side. And I've been coaching on the girl side for, for a long period of time now. Um, I don't have a necessarily a thing against coaching boys. I actually enjoy it. Um, the personalities, obviously, it's a different layer than the girls are. Um, but I said if I had a preference, um, I guess I'd say the girls' size I've coached there so long. But if someone were to come to me and ask me to, to coach a guy's team or coach only on the guy's side, I don't think I'd really have an issue with it. Yeah. Um, I guess I'd say why I would prefer the girls. Um, hmm. I think sometimes when, when you're creating a culture, depending on what kind of groups you have, sometimes girls are a little bit more easier to get to buy in uh, more so than guys especially the age range because mm-hmm. um, everyone I guess blames the whole like kids play too much FIFA or watch too much YouTube whatever it may be but I think a lot of times the, um, the at least I've experienced a lot of guy players for some odd of the reason respect their coaches who can play if that makes sense and mm-hmm. so there's like oh coach can do this cool move then we're listening because of who he is and 
I remember when uh, one of our old directors, when I was playing, Eric Dade came in. Um, we were able to play uh, with Eric Dade on FIFA when he played for Chicago. Hmm. Uh, so it's just like, well, he played for Chicago, so I guess we can't really argue. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, I, I mean, and I kind of equate it because I remember myself being their age and how, um, I guess, immature I was in that machine as well. But yeah. um, I guess I'd prefer girls. So it's a long way of answering that question. Yeah. I, I, it, so it, it, it's interesting. We had an experience recently where um, we basically, we had three different teams training at the same time and we were kind of rotating them all through uh, at the academy level. And two of the teams, two out of the three were girls teams. And it was a very interesting sort of comparing and contrasting. Uh, I, I coach a boys team currently and seeing their demeanor and their, um, uh, you know, just sort of how they presented themselves and yeah. not saying, you know, one's better than another. I don't want anybody listening to this that, uh, that I currently coached, uh, misunderstand that, that, um, you know, both, both are good. I, I told the, the coaches of the two girls teams, um, I'm like, wow, like they were so, it, it's like almost like you were training like a, like a new, like a new puppy or something that they were very, right. very attentive and very, like they listened to every single thing we said. And, and I get with our boys, like there's a definitely a comfort level there. Cause we've been coaching them a little while. Um, my coaching partner and I, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was more like, you know, WWE <laughs> <laughs> at times. And, uh, it was definitely interesting. Uh, no, you know, I, for, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, even some of the older guys, I think one of the, a quick story, we had a kid that still, uh, he's a senior now and uh, going through the recruiting process, and they were at a showcase. <laughs> and uh, a coach was getting – he's about to take a throw in. The coach is getting up to walk away. He's like, hey, 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 you, where are you going? And he, he – I'm not going to call it the school, but he says, hey, like, I want to go there. And he was like, well, I'm actually from this other school. And he was oh, well, you can sit down and take, well, I can take a look at me too. <laughs> and the coach is like, just because you're personality, I'm going to sit down. And I was like, you know what? That's awesome because that kid has no idea who he is talking to. This is right. hilarious. It, it, it's the fun atmosphere, though. And like going back to the fun part, I think that's what makes it fun about the game that we coach. Yeah. So um, I, I'm always curious when, uh, you know, coaches working in the youth game of how they engage parents and what your experience has been like working with parents. And, um, you know, uh, if there's the good, the bad, the ugly, or mostly good, or uh, what, what has that been like for you uh, as a coach? Um. It's kind of, I, th I think I've had more good than bad. Obviously, we've all had our, our bad experiences in that nature. And I don't want to say it's bad. It's just sometimes it can be a, a lack of um, communication and a breakdown of communication. I think um, the more you're able to communicate with your, your families and with your parents and giving them the scale of what you're asking from them and, then, and their individual um, child, and also as a team aspect, I think you also get them to buy into it. I think a lot of times... Um, it's a book that I read it's called Win Your Locker Room, um, uh, and, it, and it talks about that you can't only just get your team to buy into what you're trying to achieve. You have to get everything that surrounding them to buy into it. So the next part, I guess, on the youth game is getting the parents to buy into it just as much as the kids to buy into it. Mm -hmm. And I think because they're gonna get, they're gonna be in the car with them. They're gonna take them to practice. You know, bring home right. Even if they're able to drive when they get home from school or home from practice or home after a game or whatever it may be, um, it makes it easier in the sense of having a, a good line of communication and giving them out and being truthful. I think a lot of that is a lot of sometimes um, we're not 
hundred percent truthful, and we we kind of ride the line of not being all the way truthful in certain things. Um, I think a lot of parents appreciate that in the long end that you were you were honest with them um, in that communication line. Mm-hmm. That's something uh, my coaching partner and I have uh, have often said with parents that um, you know there no no blind spots. Uh, we we prefer honesty, and if there's something they're seeing. By all means, they have permission to bring that to us, mm-hmm. but it, it's a two-way street. You know, if there's something that we're seeing, um, you know, let's let's have a conversation about it and let's talk about it. And we always come at it from a place of we all want the same thing. We want what is best for their player, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we're we're a support system for them. Their parents are obviously a, a significant support system for them, or their family is. Um, how can we all work together to basically? You know, as someone has said to me, Jay, that, you know, what problem are we trying to solve and yeah. how do we go about that together? Uh, I, I'm curious for the ones that have been, um, I guess, more difficult, uh, parents that have been more difficult to work with. Um, how, how have you navigated that and sort of what has that been like, um, you know, from your end or from, you know, uh, colleagues that you might, you know, might have worked with? Um, I've just allowed an open line of communication that if, if the, the issues that had a... Um, that have you know come up of giving them an opportunity to to speak their piece, um, and sometimes it's been a resolution, and sometimes it hasn't, you know. But at the end of the day, at least um, we're able to sit down um, and cordially speak to one another of things that we agreed or disagreed on, and at the end, um, it was either fixed or patched up, or you know both parties moved on in a sense. Just a lot of times that. I had to tell myself early on that you can't make everyone happy, mm. you know? Um, so you have to find ways to um, be respectful in all ways and not leave a burnt bridge somewhere. Um, like you said, like you and your colleague of having an open line of honesty with them. At the end of the day, if they're, if they're upset with you being honest, it's, it's a lot better than you being untruthful and having to have that conversation three years down the road. Mm-hmm. I, I love what you said there about, um, you know, uh, just not pleasing everybody or, um, you know, that there's, there's going to be people inevitably that may disagree with what we're trying to do. And, and that's okay. I, I think I've evolved as a coach and just my own sort of, uh, you know, uh, maturity and sort of my emotional intelligence to not take that personally anymore Yeah, because it can get incredibly easy to beat yourself up. Right. And, you know, I, I've played this sort of like mental gymnastics at times early on in my career where I'm going like, am I good enough to do this? You know, am I really the right person to be doing this? And I've always come back to after some self-reflection that, yeah, I, I am. There's a reason why I'm here. And even though there might be some people that disagree uh, with, cer- you know, certain things that I'm doing or the club is doing or, or whatever, that, um you know, uh, to be able to separate what's personal and what's sort of, I don't know if I'd call it professional uh, or something like that. And, but it can be tough. It can be really tough to not let that stuff sort of weigh on you mentally. You know, it can, it can burn you out. It can make you question yourself a whole lot. And, uh, yeah. you know, that, that's difficult. So, um, so, uh, so what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong in this country when it comes to soccer? Oof, that's like a loaded gun. Um, 
Um, so first I'll say that like, obviously there's certain other people that, um, that, that do this and they, they know more about it than we do in a sense, cause they're around it every single day. I say on an outside in scale. Um, so I wonder sometimes when in the, the, um, the coaching school, sometimes they, they say you have to play like a four three three in that sense. Um, and I understand as far as some training it, because that's what they're training, obviously, our national teams to do. But sometimes we see our national teams playing something else in that sense and um, of maybe giving us a little bit more freedom to be who we are as coaches within the coaching schools, if that makes sense, and not being rigorous of saying, say what I say, do what I do, and then do the exact same thing when you go up to do your, your presentation and you pass, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the jokes that some of us coaches have that I, I coach with and I'm just friends with that um, I think it's starting to hopefully change a little bit with uh, with Burhalter coming into the national team was in the past times with the men's side at least. I think the women's side do a lot better job of it than we do. But if you look at it, of the guys who played on the back line together in the past three to four years, it's almost like like I'm going to fly to Ohio today and I'm going to sit next to someone on the plane and I just met them. That's how I felt like our, our back line was. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, nice to meet you. I've never played with you before. We've trained two or three times together, but we hadn't played in this type of game with each other. You know what I mean? So um, I think that it, I think that it's difficult to play on the highest level and the highest scales and not have a comfortability with the player you're playing next to. Um, I think it's a little bit difficult. That's why I think the women's uh, team does a lot better on that side than we do. Um, they have more of a chemistry and a whole lot of, of communication within their players that their players know within each other inside out. And I guess it may be because their season may be shortened, so they spend more time training with each other than not. Um, but, I, I mean, I think it's a lot of things, man. I think, I think our, our country um, is looking forward and trying to grow within the men and the women's side each day by day. I think with us as a country, um, I think a lot of people are impatient and are wanting success right now. I mean, and it's difficult. And when people are complaining that, you know, um, Iceland made the World Cup this past from the men's side and things of that nature, and you can fit Iceland inside of Texas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think for um, the bodies that run our country, I think sometimes it can be difficult in a sense. And I think a lot of times we complain, and then we, until we put ourselves in their positions, in their shoes, and their jobs, we don't want it anymore, right? Um, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, but to have a 50 state country to run as one is difficult um, and it's a lot easier to do that within a german style of settings and with then you know with the italian style setting with the, the french federation and things of that nature it's just a smaller setting for them to control and it's a little i think it's a little big for us to control and we're trying to find ways that's best as possible for us to create a positive environment influence within the game i would 100 percent think the game is growing in our country i think it's becoming more and more of a of a sport that parents will look to put their kids in before they put them into baseball or football or basketball, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good, though. I mean, in the day, I think we, we can all have our complaints or opinions of that nature, but I'm, I think we should be grateful in the sense that the game is where it is now because we could still be, you know, 40 years behind the eight ball. I think now we're still behind a little bit, but it's not as much as we were, you know, five, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And I think the, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's growing pains. It's, uh, 
the equivalent of being, you know, probably a teenager <laughs> in soccer yeah. years. I mean, even though soccer has been in this country a lot longer that um, it, it is starting to catch on and it's starting to, people are starting to see, you know, the game, I think for the, like you said, I, it's the best game in the world. And if, uh, when people, well, it doesn't matter when they find it, if it's later in life, if it's, you know, as a youth player, if it's a teenager or whatever, that when they do find it, they'll fall in love with it. And, uh, you know, just continuing to educate people, continuing to work hard, continuing to, you know, I think for us, for you and I, just to be the best coaches that we can be, because, you know, I, you can't represent my community and I can't represent your community, but we can be the best in our individual communities. And, you know, uh, just from this conversation, I have a feeling you and I have a lot in common and very philosophically, you know, aligned that if, uh, you know, we ever work together that, um, there probably wouldn't be much of a drop off there. And I don't know, I, I think we're all getting to a place of, we're working to get to a place I should say of like, you know, this is our game. We want it to be better collectively for all of us. So if it's in Alabama, if it's in Pennsylvania, if it's in Ohio, if it's in California, we all want the same thing. So how do we solve that problem? How do we right. get there, you know, together? So, um, so Jay, if, uh, if folks want to connect with you and follow along in your soccer journey, how can they do that? Uh, I am, uh, on social media, uh, I think um, my hat, like my tag name, I think is Coach JT. I think it's an underscore Coach JT. I think on Instagram. Okay. Um, I kind of keep up with that, everything. That I don't really post as much as far as pictures. I do a lot of stories on there as much as far as going through every single day, kind of thing of that nature. Um, that's kind of how you guys you can keep up with me. Cool. Well, uh, Jay Hammond, thank you so much for being on the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast, and. Um, I wish you nothing but success, man. Uh, I hope we have the opportunity to stay in touch. And uh, it is because of social media that uh, we got connected and appreciate the work that you're doing, um, you know, not only in the, the Birmingham community, but for soccer as a whole with the youth level and uh, keep doing good things, man. Wish you all the best. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for letting me come on and uh, spend this time with you this morning, have a conversation and it's good for the game. Keep growing and I wish the best of luck for you as well. All right, episode 28, almost in the books, and my thanks to soccer coach Jay Hammond for being the latest guest on the On the Touchline podcast. Jay, I wish you nothing but success going forward and hope we have the opportunity to keep in touch and follow along each other's coaching journey. So what did we learn in this episode? Sometimes coaching can be an unexpected journey. It may not have been the path you started out on, but it could be the path that takes you to where you want to go. So be open to that, even if it is later in life. The second thing, you either win or you learn. And for the folks that may challenge this whole idea of winning versus development, uh, that's an interesting line to consider. So you either win or you learn. And the third thing is that a goal is just that, a goal. A goal without an action plan is empty. It's hollow. 
So the importance of having an action plan to follow through to reach your goal, whether that be as a coach or as a player. All right, before we go, I need your help. This show is really starting to make some serious inroads in the soccer community with coaches, players, and those around the game. And if you like what you hear every Wednesday and every Saturday, and occasionally on a week where you get an extra bonus episode, like this one, please be sure to share the show on social media. And when you do that, use uh, the hashtag on the touchline, but also feel free to tag me in what you liked about the show specifically. And my handle on Instagram and Twitter is at soccercoachjb. The second way you can help this show So you can find us on 11 different podcasting platforms, places like Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, among others. Based on what I've seen, the majority of you listening to the show listen on Apple Podcast. So go there right now, type in the search bar on the touchline, leave a five-star rating and a brief review about the show. Last thing before we go, DMs are always open for ideas for guests or folks that you'd like to see on the show and hit me up anytime. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the On the Touchline podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Broadwater.